Hey everybody, it's Bill Bertrand back with another edition of Drive the Valley. So we've gotten back into the swing of things, uh, getting our regular routine down on doing podcasts again, and uh, it's good to be back with everybody. So, you know, being this is a car guy um, doing a uh, car podcast, um, you know, we're going to spend the day today talking a little bit about our industry and it's kind of a critical time in it so um well oftentimes you know we we hit these sort of podcasts and we go well you know what what could a guy consume the next half hour with talking about uh deals on a car or you know this or that our industry is in a super weird place just like everybody else's and so we're going to spend some time visiting around some do's and don'ts there's some weird things that are happening out there and we just want to educate you and kind of bring you up to speed with that and when i say we um i have a special guest today that I asked to join me. Um, and uh, this is a good friend of mine, but somebody who uh, is one of my coworkers that I work side by side with, who's also, um, you know, really astute about what's happening in the industry. Um, and that person's name, you may know him. His name is William Stuckert. Um, he's our general sales manager here uh, at the Vance uh, campus. And uh, I'm going to introduce him to you. So William, how's it going today? I'm doing good, Bill. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just before we get kind of dialed into this, why don't you uh, tell our listeners, um, you know, kind of uh, your story. How'd you get where you're at you're uh, you're filling big shoes here and uh what what brought you here yeah absolutely uh i started out uh in mankato minnesota where i went to college uh, i spent four years there at a toyota store in various positions started out in sales uh spent some time in f and i uh went through some changes there and at that time i decide i decided that it was time to move back to the chippewa valley and uh i moved back here in uh january of 2020 uh, and have spent the last couple of years here, started in F&I, uh, and have since moved in the, to the general sales manager role and uh, helping these teams uh, drive sales and volume every day. That's awesome. And William's been a... You know, William's been really instrumental in the transition. You know, as everybody knows, uh, not to keep beating a dead horse, but we we merged from Chippewa Valley Mazda over with Advance Operations. We'll uh, we'll have a new identity soon called One Automotive Group that people will start to see more and more of. But you know, I think what we wanted to talk about today, like I love having a variety of guests on the show, but our industry is in a really strange place right now, and I think everybody's hearing all sorts of clutter about that. Everybody's hearing all kinds of noise about like. Gosh, it's difficult to get a car. And every day, you know, we have people walk in the showroom floor and say to us things like, where's your selection of new cars? Um, and, I mean, you can really speak to that, William. What's the supply chain look like out there right now when it comes to new cars? Yeah, I mean, you know, the supply chain is tough. I mean, it's it's we're, we're not seeing as many cars coming off the trucks uh, as we would like. They're not showing up as fast as we would like. But uh, the reality of it is, is we're still getting cars. We're still here for business. Um, we can still take requests. We can still help you in your journey to to finding the vehicle that's going to fit your needs. I think what's changed is, you know, what's different about today. Like we go back two years in our industry, two and a half years. This has been it's it's going on longer than in my mind I thought it has been. But the last couple of years in our industry, you know, we used to sell nationally. There were 17, they call it a SAR, and it's an annualized sales rate that they take the number of new cars that are going to be sold in the market. And that number had crept uh, over the past few years to about 17 million cars. And just with supply chain issues, I mean, we have a lot of things that have drove this. And this will get me to the point of what I want to talk about. But, you know, we had uh, uh, the COVID, uh, obviously, a, a pandemic that hit us. Along with that, you know, everybody restricted their builds, right? They went from, you know, uh, 
building cars to taking a conservative approach and saying, well, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. The economy is likely going to melt down. Things are not going to go well. So they dialed back the number of cars that they built. And so that annual sales rate between supply chain issues, getting parts, getting all of these components, everybody hears about these damn chips. And, uh, you know, these chips are what are, are really driving a, a huge amount of the shortage that is out there, uh, aside from the pandemic. What are those chips? You're talking like microchips. Microchips. Yep. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Uh, yeah, the the microchip thing. You know, it's it, it's been interesting. It's it's uh, not only uh, affecting the auto industry, but it's affecting all of the other industries that you know that we partake in. And uh, it's just it's just taking time, and it's taking more time than what anybody wants or anybody had hoped for. Um, but on the other side of this, it's uh, it's going to be good. Yeah, and I mean, so first recipe for disaster, right, is that everybody in the automotive industry <clears throat> had assumed that what was going to happen uh, during the pandemic was that the demand was going to go down. And exactly what the exact opposite thing happened, the demand actually rose significantly. So cars were not being produced because they'd not scheduled them. Um, we were in a spot, the, the industry was in a spot where they were taking a conservative approach to production. Consumer demand went up. And just as um, luck would have it, this microchip thing that we all talk about, which does go in a lot of different things to your point, um, there, there are three manufacturers in the world that build microchips. And so one of those burnt down, and here we are, um, you know, with 33% less chips in the market, just driving production down even more. So to the point of all of this, this has changed, um, you know, the car buying experience from a new car side of things uh, and a used car side of things. And I'll get to that in a minute, but there's just some things as a consumer that, one, you should know about, and two... Um, you know, understanding that it, it really isn't a situation of us trying to be restrictive. So the car shopping experience of what it was and, and or at least the, the flexibility that you might have seen from a car dealer, you know, two and three years ago has changed. And you're probably feeling that if you're in the market and you're looking at, uh, at a new car right now, what one is the obvious that I just talked about. You come to the store and, and you see it every day. Like the the guest comes in and asks, where are all of your new cars? And your answer is pretty much the same, right? There's there's none. Yeah, there is none. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, to the, to the second point of that is that it has, uh, you know, it's a supply and demand thing. So manufacturers, when they can overbuild and, and three and four years ago, when they did overbuild, what happens is that there's a, a drive to incentivize the car. They have so many in production that they actually are looking at it from an, uh, a, a mindset of how do we keep moving cars? How do we keep these moving? So you would see things as a consumer like rebates, incentives, special leases, special finance offers. And when you're coming into a dealer today, you know you might you might get the impression that the dealer's being if they're not doing a good job explaining that. You know, they, you might get the impression that we're being inflexible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, and and so when that happened, what what really happened is that supply chain shrunk so much that the manufacturer had a, a an awareness that they don't have to necessarily throw rebates, incentives, and discounts at vehicles in order to sell them. Because again, they're going to sell them. It's like having, you know, not enough iPhones. You don't see them on discount or on uh, you know, on sale for sure very often. So, you know, that's one of the things that's, you know, driving the climate right now and kind of driving that pricing um, on the vehicle. So you have 
really, sh really high demand, really short supply. Um, you know, not a lot of incentive that's going to put the consumer in the marketplace. And, and the next layer, like it's kind of a recipe to, for disaster uh, or feels like disaster to a degree, right? Um, you know, it is driving some, so this is just like any other industry. And so when there's an opportunity for profit or an opportunity for bad profit, oftentimes what you see are, are the wrong businesses taking the opportunity to exploit that. So um, talk about an addendum, explain to our listeners what an addendum is on a car and how that might work. Like what is a real, when you come into a dealership and you see an MSRP, that's that sticker on a car. Now you're also seeing this addendum, right? And and talk about what that is. Yeah, so you'll see you'll see an addendum or a market adjustment or something like that displayed next to the Monroney label. And basically, what's happening is on certain trims or on certain models, uh, dealers are uh, taking the MSRP and adding to that price. Uh, typically, in situations we we normally see uh, it either staying at MSRP or falling down below MSRP. And in, in these circumstances, uh, they're adding a lot of times thousands of dollars to the MSRP as a market adjustment. It's really weird, and it's, it's, it is like we're all independent franchise dealers, right? So we all do this thing differently. We all buy our cars, be it we get a lot of them or be it we get a little number of them. We all buy our cars for the same, for the same money from our brand manufacturer in our competitive segment. In our group, we carry the Mazda, the Hyundai, the Honda, the Audi, and the Volkswagen. And all of those come you know, with that manufacturer's su suggested retail price on them. However, what William's speaking to is really this addendum. And that is literally what he said. It's a market adjustment for profit. So what's happening is there's high, low supply, high demand. And so not everybody's going to get a swing at that same new car in today's market. And that's what's changed. If you're a consumer, that's the part that's changed right now is that you used to be able to come in and sit down across from your, your salesperson and say, you know, we're, you know, me and my wife, Betty are thinking about buying a blue CX-5 or a blue Hyundai Santa Fe or a blue Honda CRV. And we want it to be packaged with a parchment interior and the, this package and that package. And we want it to be equipped like that. And in today's market, that truly does not exist. And if you're lucky enough to find the unicorn um, that is sitting around, I mean, it, it, we this is, in a sense, a salesperson's dream and a dealership's dream, except for we don't have the volume to go with it. But it used to be that you would have a significant, uh, you know, really a significant number of cars to choose from. And it's now like kind of you have to you have to take what's available and honestly, what you can get. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly changed from the aspect of, you know, it used to be the shopping mall experience. Come in and, you know, find your trim that you like and your color and things like that. And it's really turned into, well, I want a red one, but, you know, I'm okay with gray or I'm okay with black. And, you know, really opening up those options and, um, you know, just finding what's going to actually work for you. Well, and, you know, I mean, that's the thing is like, so the selection has, people are having to be more flexible and that's, it's, it's awkward for us, even as, even as dealers, you know, we, our goal is to meet the need of the customer Absolutely. and that's how we sell cars is that, you know, we're able to find a car that matches your needs and what you want. And here we are in the middle of this thing going, well, you know, I, I really know you want a, a white one, but how about a silver one? Because yeah. that's the one I have available. And so then there's all this clouding from, you know, we have, we again, we're franchise dealers. So, you know, here in our group, we've kind of taken a philosophy that MSRP is the manufacturer's suggested retail price. Now, our franchise laws don't, 
dictate that we have to sell that car for MSRP. We are certainly allowed the opportunity to do what we call bad profits. And, and bad profits are things like um, adding that addendum and taking a, uh, a rust proofing package and uh, you know other options and just adding them to the vehicle along with what's called a market adjustment price. And this is where as a consumer, you need to be thoughtful and you need to you need to be aware of this because this can be a trick bag for you. Make sure that the MSRP is really truly the vehicle's MSRP. If you're shopping a competitor, we get that. Like I mean, that's that's not the purpose of the podcast is to sell you a car. But if you are looking outside of our market, Eau Claire has a pretty strong market in that. I, I can't think of many dealers that are marking their car up above MSRP. But outside of our market in more metropolitan areas, you see it frequently. It's every day. And so when you're inquiring, we all shop digitally now. We all shop online. You have to be very careful that you're not getting this market adjust price as a perception of MSRP. And then all of a sudden there's a $1,000 discount and you think you've, you've done well. When in actuality, you've just gotten a, a discount off of an overinflated price. And that's the, that's the thing. So we're talking about, you know, kind of pulling the curtain back and the things to be careful of. That is a, a huge one right now. The other one is, is that because we all know that you shop on the internet, is really something that is new in the marketplaces that has popped up over the last year. And that is that, uh, you know, select dealers, uh, the way they'll conduct business is that they will take the lowest price possible. So let's say there's a military rebate. Uh, manufacturers occasionally give rebates for things like that. Well, what they'll do is they'll list this re- incredibly low price online. And that's a what we call a hook. And that's the hook to get you in the door so that when you get there, they can say, oh my gosh, uh, William, you're gonna, you're gonna buy the car, but you've chosen to pay cash for it. And gosh darn it, the price we had advertised online is actually not a cash price, that's a finance price because that's a profit spot for dealers. There's no secret about that. Um, and, and it's just how you conduct yourself and how you do it professionally and ethically. But at the end of the day, when you are, you know, walking into a situation like that, it can really trip you up, right? Yeah, it, it certainly can. I mean, it's it's when you look online and you see, oh, this great deal and uh, there, there's all these rebates available, it's something that you really have to pay attention to and look into. Um, you know, they're required to put the disclaimers in there of what it takes to be eligible and when it may expire and what that looks like. So just really doing that deep dive and educating yourself on what am I eligible for versus what I'm not. Yeah, and, and so, you know, you have this whole... Those two things are really key points. Like when you're buying a new car right now, you got to think, okay, I've got a, I've got a selection problem. I need a new car. And, and if I were strategically, like if I were sitting here right now talking to Ma, and I said, you know, my mom needed a new car. Um, you know, there, there's a way to win in the market right now. And that's the, that's the really good thing is we know that supply and demand is low. So since there's such a low supply of new cars, it's doing the same thing in the used car world, right? Absolutely. I mean, how how it's it's funny i th- i think the used car wholesale uh values in a year have increased by almost 40%. Yes, it's about 40%. So you're looking at a you have a car that was $20,000 uh or you bu- you paid $20,000 for a car, you know, 2 years ago. That car in all likelihood and we're not selling diamonds has probably appreciated. So there's a trick that actually exists for the customer out there. And I think it doesn't, like the light doesn't go off sometimes. So I'm trying to put that connection point together. One, if you're lucky enough to find a new car in today's market that suits your needs, we kind of talked about that MSRP type thing. Like, you know, if you're finding a car for MSRP, there's no market adjustments on it. 
that's probably a pretty good deal right now. And where the win is, is if you are a consumer who has a vehicle to trade. Yes, it is. I mean, it's we know that uh, you know MSRP uh, is the going rate. Certainly in our organization, you know we've we've committed to sticking to that. And it's when we talk about new cars and what it used to be, where there used to be you know maybe some rebates or some real special financing or things like that. Yeah, some of that stuff has been pulled away. But like like you commented on with use with the used car market being up forty percent, uh, you're you're still gaining that benefit. Yeah, that's the win in it is that's really kind of the the, the, the bet to hedge on right now. If you have a pre-owned car, um, you know, and you're, you've kind of been like, hey, I'm on the fence and here's a new car that works for me. Well, you're kind of locked in an MSRP. Like that's not a number that typically moves very frequently in the marketplace. So, you know, you see your, your price increases on an annualized basis of maybe, you know, somewhere between two and 4% just kind of moves along with inflation. But the used car market being up 40%, that's the lift. And that's the benefit. If you're a customer out there right now, it's an absolute huge benefit because now you've got that car that maybe you've driven for two or three years and you might be coming back and not only getting your money back, but making money over and above. So if you've paid down your loan and those sorts of things, it's really the little trick to kind of, you know, give you awareness about. I, it, it just happened to me. Um, you know, I stumbled into a boat deal the other day and I decided that, you know, I mean, I wasn't really looking, but in that situation, my boat, which was a three-year-old boat, was worth more than what I had paid for it. Now, it certainly was an elevator on the other price too. I was lucky enough to find a deal on one, but that's just, you know, that's kind of the world we're living in right now. Yeah, it is. So, you know, the other thing that I thought I would talk about is, um, you know, the, the, the financing on vehicles. So this is always a really tricky thing for people. And William, you were an F&I, I mean, you talked about being an F&I manager and an F&I manager in a dealership is a, is a person who does, we're the, we're the doomed people. You come in and you're afraid to come in and you're, you know, you're afraid to sit down with us. And I think um, you could really speak to that, but that, that has, as our industry, we've been in what I would call an evolved industry for the past, you know, five to 10 years, every year, it's become more transparent. It's become more uh, forthcoming, and um, you know, good dealers do business really upfront. What is the purpose of a of a finance department a store, and is it something to be afraid of? Because people will always try to say, "I'm going to go out and get my own money first. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the finance department uh, is an important piece to the dealership, and it's also a very important piece to the consumer. I mean, financing a vehicle is something that most people do. Uh, and it's it, it's an important thing. When we look at the finance department, um, they have a lot of different things that they're responsible for. Uh, number one, they're responsible for obtaining you a loan or a lease if that's what your goal is. Um, and like you spoke to, you know, transparency is key. And at One Automotive, in all of our stores, um, you know, we're we're as transparent as we possibly can be. We want you to understand uh, what you're getting, what loan you're receiving, and what options you have that come along with that vehicle. Um, the, the finance department has a, a few different things that they're responsible for. Number one, like I said, they're responsible for obtaining a loan for you. Uh, number two, uh, they have various options that uh, you can elect for that are going to help protect your purchase. And when we look at protecting a purchase, um, it's, it's an important one. This is For most people, this is the second biggest purchase that they make in their life next to a home. Um, so when you leave here with a vehicle, uh, having protection, whether that be 
a, uh, a service contract to ensure that if something goes wrong, uh, that vehicle is going to get fixed. It's not going to cost you uh, any money out of pocket uh, outside of what you're paying with your monthly payment. Yeah, you know, and, and, and to just to go back to the very beginning of it, you know, an F&I department or a finance department in a dealership, you know, I remember, you know, it's, it's going back a long ways, but I remember going with my parents and, you know, that was the most grueling part of the experience. But it, it has changed and there's been a really huge transformation of how those departments function within a dealership. And really what you have to remember is that that gives the, the a, a really true transparent finance department their job first and foremost is to help you along the journey so you know we're, we're I think most are astute these days to understand that an interest rate needs to remain competitive and so what happens when you when you if you go to your own bank you're going to get X rate there's trust that's built there sometimes that's good and bad and sometimes by the way that's your best place to go sometimes they they actually look at it and say wow I mean we're going to be able to give you this rate on the vehicle and so we don't necessarily discourage that it's not like we're trying to say don't finance your car through through your local lender there are some great ones what I think this does do is it opens doors so that we have we work with you know upwards of 25 lenders in most of our stores so each store has a different flavor for a different credit profile. And so depending on where they're at and what kind of volume they're trying to, let's say acquire, they're trying to build their portfolio, they will be favorable to loaning money to certain credit profiles. And that sometimes equates, typically equates to a better rate. So if nothing else, by having a, a consultation with the finance and insurance department at the dealership, you know, it, it, people don't factor that in a lot. They look at a loan and they say, well, my payment is X number of dollars per month. The win in that is that if you save yourself one to 2% on an average, on an average loan that's 60 to 84 months, you know, that could equate out to be, you know, two to $3,000 in interest over the life of your loan. So there, there really is a huge benefit. And yes, you mentioned the warranties. I was a finance person before I was a dealer. And, um, you know, I have, I've never been able to understand that one because it's a, it's a tough one when people, um, you know, will come in and say, you know, oh, gosh, I'm not going to put an extended service contract on my vehicle. It's, it's fine. And you wouldn't be selling if it was going to break. I, you know, you, you'll take care of it. And the problem is, is that the longer, the rope becomes between us and the more distance that goes between us and the more miles, the more you own the car. So it is one of those things that I look at like health insurance. Like, I mean, I'm, I'd like to say I'm pretty healthy. I've gotten a little fat since COVID hit and I'm not super healthy, but you know, and as a general rule, I have a lot of trust in how I take care of myself and I'll be, uh, you know, despite that I carry health insurance. And when we have a 25 year old that works for us, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always encouraging them to get health insurance 26 now, cause you get to live on that till mom, you're, you're 26. But at the end of the day, you know, those are, those are, that's how I look at it is it's just like health insurance. And if you were going to take your Sonos speaker yep. and buy a $50 policy on it, but you're going to take your 25,000, your 30, 40, 50, you know, whatever thousand dollar investment, and you're going to kind of gamble on that. Um, you know, that's a, that's a bad idea. And we see it, right? We see it time after time. Yeah, it's a big gamble, you know, and vehicles have changed so much in the, in the last few years with the amount of technology and features and things that are going into them that uh, it leaves for more of a recipe of an issue to occur. Yeah. And it's important to, to leave yourself protected. You talk about health insurance, you know, you, you can look at it the same way with car insurance. None of us want to pay 100 or $120 a month for car insurance until we get into that wreck. Yeah. And we get into that wreck, and then it comes to the body shop, and it's got $20,000 worth of damage. That's something I know I don't want to be paying for 
So there's there's other options to to make it affordable and fit in your budget and uh, make that process easy. So the you know the, the the really one of the last big points I want to hit on is you know there's there are a lot of changes that are happening in our industry. A lot of people are thinking about buying cars differently, and so we've we've ran on to what I would call you know new fads and new trends, and I think they're great trends. And and you know dealers like us and and all dealers you know, really have to adopt them, and that's the digital experience to where you can buy a car online, and you can get it you know, ship to your home and, and you really don't even have to leave. And, you know, I think us, One Automotive, you know, all dealers are a little behind in racing to that technology. And that's a, it's a work in process that is happening. But there are, you know, truly, uh, I'm, I'm members of a couple of face groups out, Facebook groups out there with some of the bigger ones that, that, you know, also talk about the experience there. And that's, that's where things can get really mushy and things can get really weird. One, um, you know, I, I think there's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching at this moment in time, but there's, a, there's a, a reason, if you can, to do business locally. And that has a lot to do with, you know, I can't think of the last, we just sat down yesterday and we were rolling through a pile, like literally a manila folder of people that were asking for uh, baseball jerseys and people that were asking for support for a foundation or this or that. And so, you know, remembering that, you know, at the local level, um, you know, not just saying this for me as a dealer, but for, for really for all dealers, there's a place and there's a purpose. And one, one thing I think most dealers are is very community oriented. So, you know, if we start doing business at an Amazon scale in the auto industry, you know, it, it, it is a takeaway. And so that's on us to adapt and to, you know, to really learn uh, what the consumer wants. But it, it is, it's also a little bit tricky. So what you have to remember is that it can be a complex thing. Um, we have the ability to transact online and do that same delivery to your door. You know, uh, one of our promises is that we don't, you know, we charge nothing to deliver within 500 miles. You live 500 miles from the store, it's free. And you're going to get a more of a personalized concierge experience. So if if something's wrong with that car, you know, God knows things happen, right? So you you buy a car, you take delivery of it. Um, we we can do it all literally in your living room, and those things happen. But you get it, and all of a sudden something's wrong with it. There's not an 800 number to call, and you don't have to file through 50 million people that you don't know. You're still connected to an associate, you're still connected to a salesperson, and you're still connected at the community level. So all things being considered, you know, I think it is the onus of the dealers and all, I mean, I'll say that myself, that, you know, our responsibility is to be competitive in pricing, it's to uphold, um, you know, great value and, and give a good value proposition with a transparent, easy experience to a guest, um, you know, but we can do that. And I think, you know, that that is, um, it, it's a fad right now and it's huge, but all of those things, it's just like I'm hearing the noise. Uh, you know, you hear lots of noise about, uh, you know, people are investing great deals of money and saying, well, we'll buy your car. And it's just like, it almost feels like, yeah, it's kind of an oxymoron because of course we'll buy your car and we're all gonna pay the same money for it. And it, it is, you know, we're all gonna be competitive in that space. Nobody needs to sell cars more and nobody needs to buy, more, buy cars more. Yeah, correct. I mean, we've, uh, nothing has changed um, over these last several years of a dealer being willing to buy a car versus willing to not buy a car. We're, we're always open for business. We're, we're always willing to purchase a vehicle. Uh, you know, and when, when you speak on the, on the, on the internet side of things, 
yeah, we we can we can conduct business uh, that way as as these other entities that you're you know that, that you're speaking of, um, but we provide so many other advantages that you know that that the others don't, and that comes with service and a body shop and a face to talk to, and if you have questions on um, features or uh, I, I need a vehicle for my son or we're we're always there willing to help. And that's something that you're always going to get from us. Yeah, no, and it's not just a telethon, right? Like we're doing a we're doing a podcast, and so you know the last thing I ever want a podcast to feel like is that it turns into a sales pitch because it's really not. But it's it is you know it's about that experience. You you really mentioned it. You go out and you do this deal where you buy a car online and it breaks. You're not connected to a service department, and they don't have any history on that vehicle. Did it come from, you know, Louisiana and they shipped it to you and, you know, there were five things wrong with it when it got off the truck that conveniently backed up and was beautiful and had a big bow wrapped around it. But now I'm in a situation where where am I going to take it and who's going to guarantee it and who can I call that I can actually get to? And that I think is is gets often overlooked and it's uh, it's unfortunate. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're we're blessed to live in Eau Claire. And we're blessed to live in the Chippewa Valley because we have great support from our community. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, what we wanted to do was just basically, um, you know, kind of give you the pitfalls. Like our industry's weird right now. And, it is. and yeah. it's, it, it's going to be, by the way, for a while. So the next, you know, the next year or two is what the forecast is, right? Like yeah, it is. You expect to buy cars off trucks. Do know this, that if it looks like we don't have a car, um, we can take reservations. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yep. We're, uh, we're here to help. And that's... That's what, that's what we'll do. William, it was fun hanging out with you today. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate everybody for listening. You guys have a great day, and we'll see you soon.